I believe it's a part of our soul's journey. You know, if everything was cruisy and rainbows all the time, we would have nothing to do. We would have nothing to strive for. And it's generally during the most adverse times in our lives that we really know what we're made of and we see and learn our own inner strength. And so I truly believe that absolutely everyone goes through levels of trauma and difficulties and challenges in their lives. And I think that it's, I I kind of believe it's almost a bit of a fork in the road. You can use these things to help project you forward in some way, or you can use them as, you know, maybe excuses or reasons to not step up and, and have your own back and help yourself into the next version of you. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Download the app today. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, beautiful soul, someone who's got a lot of knowledge, a lot of wisdom, and a lot of experience. Michelle Powell is a highly experienced and qualified clinical therapist and holistic health practitioner with more than 20 years' experience. She specializes in particular in trauma, mental health, and wellness recovery. She supports and empowers groups and individuals to rediscover themselves beyond the challenges they've faced, helping them to regain their self-esteem and confidence and start living life with direction and vigor. She's the author of the Amazon bestseller, The Mastery of Wellness, a book she wrote to empower women. And we touch on that in the conversation today so that you can hear more about it. And beyond all the personal development space, she is an absolute lover of nature, preferring to leave the hustle and bustle behind to retreat to the mountains where she enjoys hiking and outdoor adventures. She's also an experienced and passionate equestrian. And when she's not working with clients or hosting events, you'll find her with her beloved horses. And she touches on that and the power of equine therapy as well in this beautiful conversation. I think what you'll love most about this is to hear from someone who's been there, done that, and certainly come out and gone from surviving to thriving. And I hope at this time of year that any one of you that may be struggling personally, emotionally, mentally, financially, any way, spiritually, even physically, then this podcast may indeed inspire you to live your authentic self, to heal and to transition with love, grace and and absolute energy. So you're going to love today's show. I cannot wait to hear what you think about it. You can follow Michelle on all of her beautiful links which I'll have in the shell note, uh, the shell notes, the, the the podcast notes, and you can find her at the michellepowell.com.au. So this is a really interesting conversation, uplifting, authentic, and powerful. And if you've got any comments or feedback, please head on over to my Instagram page, Kim Morrison 28, or you can go to Facebook, Kim Morrison Training, or go on over to the wellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. Thank you. 
hand on heart for your beautiful five-star ratings. Thank you for being on this journey with me. And thank you for being so raw, real, open, and authentic so that we can keep bringing beautiful conversations alive just like this one. Take care, be kind, and I'll see you again same time next week. Every week, I get the opportunity to speak to someone pretty special, someone who does amazing things and gives back to the community in ways that I know will inspire and delight you as well. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, beautiful Michelle Powell. Thank you so much, Kim. I am really excited to see where you and I take our conversation today. I know that's the cool thing about these beautiful chats is I do tend to put it out there and do love to dive deep and actually look at what makes the soul, what makes someone so special. And before we get into all the incredible work that you do, could you take us on a little journey as to how you became the incredible coach and mentor that you are today? But take us back. Where have you come from? What led you down this path? I feel like my path is a classic example of evolving over the years and trusting that the next piece leads to the next piece. So I actually started out in the industry back when I was 18 years old because of life experiences that I'd gone through. And so I actually started out as a personal trainer and that led me into managing gyms and then that led me into really being interested in nutrition and then that led me into holistic healthcare and and that led me into mental and emotional work and spiritual work and then and then into more specializing with you know trauma and mental health for mostly how my own journey led me And what I'd experienced, I wanted to make sure that other people either didn't go through what I did or that they had options and they had safe places and safe people to go to. What's really special about that is a lot of people, you know, they get told at school they need to know what they're doing or what industry they want to get into or get asked all the time, what do you want to do when you leave school? And yet there's 40-year-olds out there that don't know what they want to do. 50-year-olds don't know who they are or what they want. What I love about that is if we just allowed the path to evolve, trusted ourselves and acknowledge that the next piece will lead to the next piece, I think that's one of the most profound things we could take on. When you say it was through your own life experiences, could you talk us a little bit through that? Because being a mental health and wellness professional, a trauma recovery coach, someone who really does help people in a holistic way, often has been through many things themselves. What I'm really curious to know is how you got through any of those tough times, those challenges, and exactly what it is that made you feel like this line of work is the answer. Yeah, oof. That's a, a big question. And I, I honestly know that it began in my childhood because I grew up in a domestic violent household. I was forever in that fight or flight zone because I didn't know what was going to happen next. And being the eldest child, I felt very responsible to look after and protect my sister. And that led to eating disorders at an early age. 
and that led to all sorts of stuff just in the early years before I even got into adulthood and burnt out really early with my workload, having all sorts of medical and health diagnoses, oh, car accidents. And then, of course, of more recent years, back in 2018, I left a long-term relationship that was inclusive of domestic violence because, you know, doing it during childhood just wasn't enough. But the irony is, and I don't know if we can call it irony, but I like to think about it as the silver lining. I, I do truly believe that even the shitty things that we go through in life have a bigger purpose and a bigger picture. And if I break down all of the, you know, rock bottoms or how am I going to get through this moment or, you know, suicidal thoughts, all of the deep, deep, dark places that you can go to as a human being, I know personally what that feels like. And so I know for me when I was seeking help and support To me, some people I was interacting with that were professionals, yeah, they had the book smarts, but maybe they didn't have the life experience. And I found the most valuable pieces of my journey were not only everything I'd learnt from a professional standpoint, but everything that other people had gone through from that lived experience because there's so much wisdom from those that have lived and breathed it. And there's a lot of value there when you're bringing both professionalism and life experience to the table. And that's what I wanted to bring to other people because I know that helped me immensely with climbing out of some of my rock bottom times. Think in your humble opinion And have you yet met anybody who has ever not had struggles or challenges or things that haven't pushed them to the brink? I mean, it seems to me like most humans, well, I'm yet to meet someone who hasn't been through tough times, but is that part of our journey? And if it is, why would we want to take that away from someone? Yes, I love the way you've worded that because I believe it's a part of our soul's journey. You know, if everything was cruisy and rainbows all the time, we would have nothing to do. We would have nothing to strive for. And it's generally during the most adverse times in our lives that we really know what we're made of and we see and learn our own inner strength. And so I truly believe that absolutely everyone goes through levels of trauma and difficulties and challenges in their lives. And I think that it's, I I kind of believe it's almost a bit of a fork in the road. You can use these things to help project you forward in some way, or you can use them as, you know, maybe excuses or reasons to not step up and, and have your own back and help yourself into the next version of you. Well, I think that that's pretty profound. And I think if only we could all be taught that by looking at life as a fork in the road. 
But here's Mm. the real thing, as you and I both know. We can do that in hindsight. We can do that when we're through the other side or at least have come up for air through the trauma. What do you recommend or how do you suggest people get through those rough times, those challenges? How the hell do we actually come through them so that we do look back on them with hindsight so we can create the more positive fork and the path that we take to heal? Mm, Beautiful question. Because oftentimes when you're in the thick of it, it feels like it's never going to end. It it feels like this is it. How am I going to overcome this? What do I do next? And sometimes I think we can get ahead of ourselves and just believe that it's going to continue forever instead of that old saying, this too shall pass. And when you are on the floor or on your knees and you there you feel like there is absolutely nothing left to give what is the point to me i think it's really important to acknowledge that you do need help and support to get through any hardships that you're going through in life i fully believe that while social media and everything has a beautiful place but there's also a bit of a connotation that Everyone can just be independent and do it on their own and you don't need anyone. And that goes so against our very nature, our very wiring, our very biochemistry as a human being. You know, we're wired to be tribal creatures and we need one another. So I talk a lot about we need to have safe people and safe places where we can be accepted even when we're at our lowest and can say, I'm not doing okay. But on the flip side of that, being able to acknowledge that you're not okay and you need help and support is one thing. But when you're genuinely at a place where you don't know what else to do, a lot of the times you don't even have capacity to reach out and say you're not okay. And so if you have some people, it might only be one or two, it doesn't have to be, you know, so many people. We don't have to have oodles and oodles of people in our life, but we want quality over quantity. And to me, I always advocate on checking in on your people. You know, we wait for, you know, are you okay day and things along those lines, which is great. But we want to make sure it becomes a bit of a regular practice for those that are in a a circle and go, I just want to check up on you. I know you're doing it tough right now. Are you really okay? And have those conversations with those that you love. So before the shit hits the fan or even if it already has, you know that there are people out there that can help and support you. And as a final caveat to this section, If you don't feel like you have safe people that you can talk to, that is 100% where professionals come in. It's absolutely courageous to go, you know what, I don't have people in my life yet. I don't have people I can trust to have these conversations with right now. But I know there are lots of professionals out there who have the capacity to be able to help me. I think this is really important. And what I absolutely adore about this 
is the understanding that, yes, we're going to go through tough times. Yes, there's moments we may be brought to our knees or to the floor. Yes, it's tough. I think the hardest thing for some people, and you just alluded to it, is to actually express that. Sometimes we get so thrown and it happens so quickly and it's such a vortex of pain that our emotions take over, our behavior takes over, and then we can take offense to anyone saying, are you okay? Or what's going on? Or we notice that their behavior has changed. And I think what you said at the beginning was the acceptance or at least the awareness that you are in this place is probably when you start to notice yourself behaving inverted commas badly, or you're saying things or you're being triggered or upset by people. And if we truly understand that hurt people hurt people, then what, in your humble opinion, is the responsibility of us this day and age, our generation? Because our awareness and our education is so much more than it's ever been. Do you think this is the generation to stop past traumas and behaviours that haven't served us? Oh, I feel like there's a few answers to that one, Kim. So, First of all, to acknowledge that hurt people hurt people, I think that reminder is very powerful to not take other people's words and actions so personally, especially when they're really going through something. And I do always say that, you know, trauma and mental health is never, ever a reason or an excuse to hurt, harm, or abuse someone intentionally. However, if there are things that pop up that's out of character, remembering that hurt people do hurt people, it allows you to take that bit of a step back. And so if we look at learning the lessons from trauma and mental health and, you know, being the change that we want to see in the world, I think, first of all, we have to remember we don't just bring through traumas we bring through all of these beautiful gifts and lessons from all of it as well I mean you know how they talk about generational trauma but we also need to talk about that there's generational gifts as well so we want to make sure that we bring through all of the good stuff and not just focus on the quote-unquote negatives or the silver linings But I think the more that we have conversations like this where we talk about trauma, where we dismantle any stigmas, debunk any myths, and the same with mental health, if we keep having conversations, it becomes more normal and therefore people that are still maybe hesitant or avoidant or even just shit scared of having these sorts of conversations, they feel courageous and able to be able to start them so that we can keep helping more and more people and be that ripple effect. That's really powerful, isn't it? And I really love this because what's important, what I've just heard there is to bring also forward the positive stuff, the gifts. Now, in your humble experience, let's use you as an example, if you don't mind. When you look back on your childhood, when you look back on your relationship, that long-term relationship, could you talk to us then how you programmed yourself or allowed yourself to not only feel the grief and the pain of all of those experiences, but then how on earth did you frame it in such a way that you could see the gifts? Mm. So... 
I'm a big believer that we need to feel our emotions and not, you know, block them or shun them or, you know, judge ourselves because all feelings are valid. And I think there's a huge magnitude in letting the emotion flow, you know, whether you need to have a cry, whether you need to scream into a pillow, like just letting yourself feel it and move through it. But as to how I allowed it to help me be a better coach and therapist, I think for me it brings another level of authenticity to everything. It's not just an ideas realm. And I also believe that because of the things that I've personally experienced, whatever someone goes through, it doesn't shock me. Because oftentimes people can be afraid to share the depth of what they've experienced, especially if there's abuse or sexual abuse or different levels of trauma because it's, quote, unquote, heavy shit. And so often people will be afraid of how somebody else is going to take it and if they can or cannot hold that space with them or whether they're going to need to support the person that they're actually talking to about what's happened to them. And so for me, I feel like it's made me stronger, and I know that might sound a bit wanky, but it is very true because I knew, I believe that we live chapters. I I love books. I'm still old school. I don't don't read books online. I, I love physical books and I believe that our life is like a book and we live out a chapter at a time. And so in my mind, I was always like, okay, this is just a chapter in my life. This isn't the end of my story. This isn't the end of the book of Michelle. This is just a shitty chapter in my life that's going to make sense down the track, you know, kind of like a movie if you're not a book person, the characters have to go through some sort of adversity so that there's appreciation, so that there is gratitude, so that there is self-exploration and growth. And at the time, it's really freaking hard. But on the other side, there's always some sort of silver lining. So for myself, I think that it's that next level of authenticity and to me, I value that so highly. So that feels very aligned for me. So in a roundabout way, I'm grateful for the lessons that life has served me. Yeah, it's a beautiful place to get to, actually. And I think what you're saying is that you don't have to be in that place straight away, that it's really important to feel it, to heal it, to process it, to honour it, and to also give yourself the space and time to get through it. Could you give us an example, maybe, of course, not asking for names or anything, but maybe you've had a client or a story or a couple of clients that have really had some tough challenges, might be financial, might be relationship, might be through past traumas. And then kind of what you do to lead them through, to nurture them, to honour where they're at, and then how they come about healing from it so that the rest of their life can indeed be really good for them. Yeah. So essentially in my work, I take people through very similar journeys to what I've taken 
myself through and how I've helped myself overcome a lot of the traumas and hardships that I've personally faced. So for me, I like to work through the three stages that I call recover, rebuild, and reconnect. Because oftentimes when we're in the thick of it, we don't really feel like finding a silver lining. Like we can try all sorts of gratitude practices and maybe they can help to a degree. But when stuff is really, really hard, heavy and tumultuous, it's not sometimes as easy for everyone to be able to do that. So to me, I like being able to create clarity amongst chaos you know, what do I actually focus on? What can I logically do? What are some tangible and practical things that I can do to help myself at this time? So I'm really big on the recovery phase being about building, I call it a toolkit. We need to have our tool belt armed with all of the tools that we can use, not just now, but no matter whatever happens in life, we feel equipped to be able to manage it. So they can be filled with coping mechanisms, strategies, all different types of wisdom, knowledge, understanding of the body, of the mind, of the nervous system, which gives you self-check-in tools, which gives you ways to create self-care plans and you know exactly what to focus on because to me, You can't separate the mind from the body, from the soul. We have to look at all areas. So we want to honor where somebody is at before we jump in and try and set them up for a whole new future because to me that's just not validating someone's truth, which could be that they're going through a really hard time. So we want to start in the recover zone And then we want to move to what I call rebuilding. So if we think of, think of it like a garden bed, we don't go in and just plant the new before we've pulled out all the weeds and tended to the soil and then set it up to nurture something new. And to me, that's how I like to think of the mind is we want to set ourselves up by pulling out all the weeds and then we want to rebuild. So this is where we want to really dive into the clearing work, the healing work, you know, the beliefs, the emotions, anything that's holding you back or pulling you down or any limitations or, and you can use so many different modalities of healing and therapy here to literally help yourself through before we really do what I call reconnect. And to me, reconnecting is all about your true, authentic self. You know, who were you before the world told you who you had to be and what you had to do in order to survive, get by or fit in? And we might include, you know, inner child stuff or core values or human design or a bunch of other things to help that reconnection phase. And Oftentimes people want to jump to that and just jump to, right, let's start a whole new chapter. But if you do that before you cleared the weeds out, what I see is that it's the trauma responses that are 
answering the questions and that's not who someone really is. That's still stuck in the survival mode. So we have to come out of the survival mode first and then rebuild and then really discover, maybe rediscover or discover for the first time who that authentic person within is. It sounds so powerful and such a beautiful journey to go on. And I know from my own experience, when you have a really good coach, therapist, counselor, or any form of modality that supports that pathway, then you are definitely in the right hands. From your experience then, like I just want to ask this question. I hate having to ask it, but domestic violence seems to be such a big thing that is either in the media or it's around. I want to ask you, has it always been there and we've just not talked about it or is it now even more prevalent? And if so, what do you think the pressures are that are causing people to hurt people? Mm, That's a really powerful question. And I think... That's a big answer because I do believe it has always been there and that there is a lot that happens behind closed doors and there are more options out there. However, there is definitely an increase in the statistics around the Australian statistics with domestic and family violence. And I do believe that there's not enough education around it when you do see it on the media, generally it's either swayed towards one sex or the other. And just to pop a few numbers out there, according to Australian statistics, one in six women will experience domestic or family violence, and yet one in 16 men will also experience domestic or family violence. And what I see very commonly is that women will report it more than men will and so there's a bit of stigma still around men coming forth and telling their stories around you know an intimate partner and violence and then the same when we look at family violence as well so Once again, I think there needs to be more conversations around what is and isn't acceptable behaviour when we come to violence in romantic relationships and also family dynamics. Very good and very interesting. That's why I love women like you doing this work. And you also, it's not just that you do this work, you actually have community involvement you actually offer things for your tribe and you also have books that people can download and you're also there for a very quick 15 minute call if people actually want to connect and see if you are the right therapist half the battle in my humble opinion is finding the right person once you've got the person in your corner you'll process and they hold that space for you and guide you according to your needs you can clear this stuff very quickly and easily take responsibility and accountability for your behavior and then step into being the best version of yourself. What are some of the beautiful things that you would call ultimate acts of self-care and self-love? I mean, in in my humble opinion, Michelle, even reaching out to someone like you is an act of self-care and an act of self-love. Well, what other things do you like to incorporate as a part of your self-care rituals? I love that question. And you know what? First of all, I truly believe that 
whenever we're working on ourselves, you know, personally or professionally, anything that helps you evolve, I think is an act of service, not just to those in your immediate future or in your household, but also to those that you're going to come across and potentially impact. And so to me, self-care isn't selfish, it's imperative because if we're not looking after ourselves, we can't be fully present mentally, emotionally, physically with anybody else. So I like to do a little monthly check-in with myself and I've got a little self-care plan that comes out of my book that I love to run through with myself and identify where the key areas in my life are going to need my attention for that coming month. But a few non-negotiables on my self-care that just happen all the time is quality time with my horses. I have never outgrown that four-year-old inner child that gleefully squeals and I do that to my own as well and they know I'm coming. (laughs) So horses is such a, a huge, to me it's almost like a meditation. I'm never anywhere else, like even whether I'm riding or working with them on the ground, um, they bring you into that grounded moment of connection and everything else fades away. So for me, the time with the horses isn't just a passion, but it's also a meditation. And a few other things that I love to do for myself, you know, I'm a physical person. I love going to the gym. I love doing my ice baths, but sometimes I just love to sit down with my angel cards and do a little cacao ceremony and just spend some quality time with myself. So those are just a few key things that pop up really regularly on my self-care plans. So divine. Do you know what's so beautiful about this? The fact that you first brought up horses, my mind instantly went to, I had a session in an equine therapy um, situation and the horse literally picked up exactly how I was feeling. They're quite incredible animals, aren't they? Horses are so incredible, especially with equine assisted therapy, because Horses are so highly intelligent and they experience the same level of emotion that humans do. And horses also have what's called heart coherence. So they will match the heart rate of the human and then mirror back the energy that they're getting from that human. And so in clinics that I run with the horses as well it's so interesting to watch the horses change from person to person and they teach so much in without even saying a word the the wisdom is just incredible and phenomenal 
They're very beautiful animals. And, and I always look at things like horses or pets or literally doing something. For me, it's obviously essential oils, but having a tool that almost becomes the bridge between you physical and you emotional and mental. And that's where I love doing forms of self-care or like you said, doing a rather than just sitting there in silence, a cacao ceremony, uh, rather than just looking at a bird in nature, sitting there with a beautiful herbal tea, like taking action and actually doing something of meaning really can become the bridge, can't it? Yes. And something that makes you feel like you. So like you said, with your essential oils, like that's you, that's Kim, you know, that would help you feel very connected to yourself. And it's the same for myself when I'm with the horses or if I'm doing, you know, a cacao ceremony that feels like a recentering and a connection just to me. It's not for anybody else. It's just for me. Tell us a little bit about the book, The Mastery of Wellness, that you wrote. I'd really love to hear a little bit more around that because I think for many of us, sometimes the first step is just reading someone else's story or someone else's words. Mm. So The Mastery of Wellness originally um, came up with it because I was a little bit irritated with how the wellness industry was just so fixated on movement and nutrition. And and to me at the time, it really felt like it was neglecting all of the other pieces of the puzzle that make up who a person is. And so I filled in the gaps (laughs) and created ways to really empower women to understand their own body, mind, and soul and to make it practical. To me, if an idea sounds great, well, cool, but what do I do with that? I I like to take ideas and and make them real. I want to be able to do something, use something, make something happen with it. And so to me it was, okay, cool, how do we make something that becomes an idea, become a way that women in particular can feel really empowered to look at their wellness maybe in a bigger, broader way than they ever had before. And once again, another tool in their tool belt that they can walk away and go, okay, I've got a starting place or a continuing place that's going to help me through the next step. So powerful, so magical, and I just want to acknowledge you for that. All of these things you're talking about are real acts, not only of self-care, but of self-love. This is something that's very big. You're on the Self-Love Podcast, and I think it's a big topic of conversation. Not one guest in 330-plus shows has ever said the same thing, but I'd be curious to know, what is your definition of self-love? I honestly believe the definition of self-love changes as is fluid every single day so the way I might want or need to show love to myself today might be different to tomorrow or even yesterday so to me I I fully believe it's about connecting to yourself and I like to you know put my hands on my heart and take a few breaths and even just ask myself what do I need from me today how can I show up for me today and wait for it for an answer so to me I think it's got to be authentic and that's how I feel about self-love 
so aligns with all of your messages so far. Uh, would you mind uh, just sharing with us, do you think there's a lot of people out there that are carrying traumas they may not even realize they're carrying or mental um, issues or limitations or emotional setbacks that maybe as a survival mechanism they've buried and therefore they don't they don't actually even realize it's there but something may not feel right I'm not sure if I've asked that in the correct way Mm -hmm. but I'm trying to understand the difference between knowing you've got work to do honoring it and working through it or some people as we know can bury it under the carpet or try and just forget it they can try (laughs) yeah exactly and this is such an important question because this is something I hear every single week is that trauma doesn't fit into a box of what is or isn't trauma and so I think there's still a bit of a stigma around trauma being like catastrophes or disasters or accidents or the you know the really big stuff like a house fire or a car accident and yes all of those things are in that trauma category as well but I think sometimes when people go through those really big life challenges or difficulties they might not necessarily correlate that to being trauma so it could be you know a divorce or a breakup or the death of a loved one or you know getting a injury or a medical diagnosis or having you know family interesting family dynamics or estrangement or you know stuff that happened in childhood like there's so many different ways that we can experience trauma And then the same with mental health, because absolutely what you were saying, sometimes people can feel like, well, this is just who I am. So, you know, classic examples of, oh, I'm just an anxious person or I'm just a depressed person. This is who I am. And and that identity, as you know, can be created around that when actually that was a trauma response that was triggered possibly right back into childhood with stuff that happened there or in a traumatic experience. And because it's been there for so long, that trauma response then becomes a survival adaptation. And that adaptation, because it's been there for so long, you can believe that it's a part of your identity when it's not. It's actually all related back to the trauma and just because it's been there so long, it can feel like it's you when it's actually just a coping mechanism that's adapted into long term. Well, that's an interesting point because then if that's the case, then I think some people are afraid, and I'm just generally speaking, of doing therapy because who are they without that story or that stigma or that nervous system or that that depression or anxiousness? How do people even recognize that they can be something different or maybe they're afraid of letting go of that? Yes, and that's the key thing there too, Kim, is that some people can be genuinely afraid and there is real fear there and it's completely understandable if you don't know who the hell you are on the other side of it. You know, it comes back to that saying, better the devil you know. And so I think it becomes down to that individual person going, I don't want to live like this anymore. I 
I want to find another way. I want to see what's on the other side. And it is courageous. And I know from my own experiences, a part of what actually got me into this work when I was 18 years old was, as I mentioned, I was struggling from severe eating disorders and a whole lot of other stuff at the time. And there was this part of me just saying, I don't want to live my life like this. Like, this is ridiculous. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be stuck here anymore. I need to find wisdom, knowledge. I need to find ways to help myself out of this because this isn't how the story ends. And so wherever somebody is right now, I just want to remind that that's not the end of your story and it doesn't have to be a scary thing to work through your traumas and your your mental health. I mean, Kim, you and I know it can even be really fun. (laughs) And you can actually end up using humour as a part of that for sure. But I think what you're alluding to is it's incredibly important. And my humble feeling is if something doesn't feel right or if you're being triggered or challenged or activated by certain things, if you're physically not as well as you could be, if you're struggling with headaches, anxiousness, depression, anxiety, any of these things, they're just beautiful signs from your body, mind, heart and soul. And maybe take that as a directive to get the support and help you need. And I just, I think it's so important, beautiful Michelle, because then the more work we do on ourselves, as you said, the ripple effect for our children, our children's children, our community, our work environment, the more aware and the more disciplined we become to actually work on oneself, the more impact in a positive way that we have on this world. Yes, exactly. And and it is a journey. It's not a quick fix. And I feel like that's, you know, something that you were alluding to then as well. Like we didn't get here in in five minutes. It's not going to take us five minutes to undo, but it is a journey so worth taking because you are worth it. Such a beautiful word. I just really would love to know a little bit more about what you offer through your beautiful holistic health practice. Could you share with this beautiful audience, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, actually, Michelle's just who I need to talk to or I'd like to follow, how can people get in touch with you? Yes, you can get in touch with me directly from my website at themichellepower.com.au. There's an option there that you can book in a free inquiry call and we can have a chat about what's going on for you and see what could be aligned and the right fit for yourself. And there are a few options. There is private one-on-one coaching, but there's also masterclasses that you can attend. There's also some upcoming retreats in 2024, and there's also equine-assisted therapies if you're local to the Hunter Valley in New South Wales. Exciting. I'm sure people just lit up then hearing that with these horses. I think animals are such a beautiful, amazing creature. All animals can just be so healing for us humans. We're very blessed to have nature and humans and animals all interacting and using each other to really 
I guess, live a really ideal life. You love the mountains and hiking, and we know that you love being outdoors and you love horses. Is there anything that you would love to say to the beautiful self-love podcast listener that perhaps could support them to being on the path on their journey for their most authentic self? Mm. Sometimes I think that when people talk about it and you don't feel connected to it yet, you can feel a little bit disheartened. You're like, oh, gosh, what am I doing wrong? Or, you know, how do I find me again? And I want to remind you that it isn't that you are lost. It's just that there's stuff that's happened And we get to honour the magnitude of what you've experienced so that you can come out the other side of it and then really find what lights you up, what makes you feel good, what makes you really happy. And, you know, it doesn't have to be horses or mountains or, you know, any of the stuff that we love, but it's about finding what really puts that little spark in your heart again. And and if you feel like that spark has gone out, that's okay. It will be reignited at some stage and it will probably surprise you when it happens because it will just be instantaneous. Oh, that's so beautiful. That is so, so beautiful. Before we come to a close, there's a word that gets bandied around and particularly in our line of work, and that is the act of forgiveness. Now, to forgive people that may have hurt us or have traumatized us or even forgiving ourselves for hurting others, I've had two schools of thought. I love this quote, forgiveness is the scent the violet emits onto the heel that crushed it. I'll say it again. Forgiveness is the scent that the violet emits onto the heel that crushed it. I think it's so beautiful. Then I was talking to someone not long ago and they said, why would I want to forgive someone? To forgive someone, including myself, is actually saying that I was wrong and I forgive you for being wrong. But there is no right or wrong. It just is. Now, this is a big rabbit warren question, but I'm just interested as to what your thoughts were on that word forgiveness. I love that. And it is interesting to hear other people's thoughts on it. And exactly what you said, I don't believe there's such a thing as right and wrong, just right or wrong for every individual. But for me, when we talk about forgiveness, forgiveness isn't for the other person. Forgiveness to me is for yourself. You know, back to that old saying, you know, it's like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. The only person that's being hurt by hanging on to something is yourself. And it might not mean that you let that person or whatever back into your life, especially if there's been some sort of harm. But to me, the whole idea is of forgiveness is maybe letting it go in a way that feels congruent. So it might be that you forgive yourself for being taken advantage of or you forgive yourself for xyz and you also forgive that human beings make mistakes and we are all going to fuck up in glorious spectacular ways sometimes but the bottom line for me is that forgiveness isn't for anybody else forgiveness is for self very very profound as a final quote 
something that means a lot to you, a message maybe that has sparked your authenticity or your healing or your life. Is there a particular quote that really lights you up? And if so, could you share it with us and tell us why? Yeah, it's actually a really simple one, Kim. It's okay to live a life nobody else understands. To me, that just really resonates. And I like to, when I think about this one, I like to take it even further. It's not just okay to live a life nobody else understands, but it's empowering. It's fundamental. It's, you know, we're here to celebrate our own unique individuality. And to me, it's that reminder to go back within, go, it's okay to follow the beat of your own heart, even if it differs from what everybody else says you should be doing or whatever else, but you get to learn to listen to yourself. So magical. And I think as we come into this time of year where for so many of us it's such a happy, joyous time, the festive season, I also know for many it can be quite heartbreaking. Lost ones no longer there, coming into the realisation they they will never be there, maybe broke out, breakups, financial stress, all of these things. Maybe one of the greatest gifts we could give to ourselves over this festive season is to read your book, is to connect in with you, but also to inspire ourselves. Could you just give us one final tip as to how we could fill our own cups over the festive season? Well, if you are looking for some really cool coping strategies and even how to walk through a self-care plan, I actually have a beautiful online on-demand called Surviving to Thriving. And like you alluded to, Kim, this time of year can be super tricky for many and it can be really triggering. And for some, it can be very, very lonely as well. And so the beauty with having an online course that you can go and do in the privacy of your own home in your own time means that you can have access to some strategies, tools and support right away. And it's super affordable at only $97. So the whole idea was doing something really cheap and easy that gave you hours and hours worth of stuff to help you forward, especially if you're struggling this time of year. That's such a beautiful, incredible gift. And I just want to honestly recommend to everyone listening to this, if you do have the time and the energy and you do really do want to make some shifts in your life and heal or even become more authentic, more amazing than you ever imagined, then I cannot recommend that you follow this beautiful woman enough. Michelle, thank you so much for being on the Self-Love Podcast. I will put all the links to everything you've talked about into the show notes in case you're driving or walking or out and about listening to this. So thank you once again for your time. It's so precious and I can honestly say it is very, very valued and appreciated. You're so very welcome, Kim. It's always lovely to talk to you. Thanks for listening to the Self-Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care.
This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.